Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Kalise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, Pizza Quest, Volume 4. Back at it in the Berkshires with Pizzeria Boema in Lenox. And Mr. Universe Hampshire College's Salman Hamid tells us the formal huts, not formal huts, but formal huts, Dusty Debris Disc, a star in its solar system having a bit of a midlife crisis, which is inspiring even more mid-process questions. But first... And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. That is from Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And some folks take the Bible very literally in ways that can at times be damaging. I think, to different groups. But this group of people we're talking to today has taken this Bible verse very literally in a way that aims to be helpful. The event at First Congregational Church of Southampton on Saturday is Swords to Plowshares Northeast, transforming guns into garden tools with a special guest speaker, Bishop Jim Curry, who joins us in studio, and a member of the First Congregational Church of Southampton, the Community and Communications team leader, Sue Teese. Bishop, tell me where you got the idea, apart from the literal Bible verse about, <laughs> about hammering your swords into plowshares, to do this with firearms. You bring an actual forge and will be doing this at this Congregational Church on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, team of father and son Mennonites in Colorado Springs after the Sandy Hook uh, massacre decided that they needed to do something concrete around the issues of gun violence prevention and gun safety, making homes safer, making neighborhoods safer. So they started to think about how would you change a barrel of a gun into a garden tool? And a couple of years after that, I was uh, introduced to them. We invited them to Connecticut, and they started teaching us how to, to do this. And now we're part of a network across the country of about 15 or 16 blacksmiths uh, who do this work with volunteers in their area. And Swords to Plowshares Northeast actually takes the forge on the road We've gone from Washington, D.C., up through Maine and Vermont, done a number of uh, demonstrations here in Massachusetts. And in uh, this week, we're going to be coming to Southampton. It's fascinating, Bishop Curry, because you were Episcopal bishop in Connecticut where Sandy Hook happened and that you were inspired by these people all the way across the country to bring this to Connecticut and to the Northeast and to, to our backyard in Southampton on the 20th. And so tell us how it works. Whose guns are these? Who are relinquishing their guns to be beaten into plowshares? Well, each community has a different way to gather guns. Across Connecticut, we have gun buybacks that are sponsored by uh, municipalities, police departments, and then we work with them, sometimes raising the money for actual buying back. Uh, sometimes just coordinating with a, a city like uh, New Haven, which is my home. And so we invite people to turn their guns in. This is all voluntary. Right. And we really focus on having people think about 
is the gun in my house dangerous? Is it dangerous for me, for my children, for somebody who has mental health issues? One of the issues for us is that two-thirds of all gun deaths in this country, about 27,000 deaths a year, are suicide by gun. And that's because that unlocked, unsafely stored gun was available at a moment of crisis. Mm -hmm. So we work with those communities to turn the guns in, then we under the supervision of police departments, uh, work with them to destroy the guns according to ATF regulations. And then we take the pieces. Just a couple weeks ago, I was working in New Bedford, and we took the pieces that were left over from uh, those guns and gave them to the art department at UMass Dartmouth so that they can weld them into art. We took the barrels cut them down, and we forged them at the, at the anvil, having heated them at the forge, and banged them into two different kinds of uh, tools. We have one tool, which is made from a rifle barrel. It's called a Maddox, and it's a double-edged, wonderful little hand cultivator for uh, a garden. You have one in studio, and we're watching it, so it looks, uh, you know, like the flux capacitor from Back to the Future, oh, for it, lack of a better thing, with a handle. It's kind of like a pick, and then like um, there's a small, like three pronged rake that you get in in gardening, yes. and that's yeah. the thing yeah. that it is. Right. And I can't remember like a the claw. It's thing. like a claw. Yeah, yeah. it's a yeah. Y shape with a handle yes. too. But it's, uh, you can definitely see that it's roughly hewn. Yeah. It's not a perfect mm-hmm. thing yeah. that you would go get at a big box store. It but looks very much handmade. It is handmade, and by the way, it's going to last a lot longer I'm sure. than <laughs> the tool you get from the big box store. For sure. And the second tool we make is a trowel. It's made out of about a six-inch length of a shotgun barrel. Mm. And we s- saw down the one side of the barrel, and then at the forge, we open it up and then uh, hammer it into shape, and eventually then we'll grind it into the shape of a trowel. And we have volunteers who then make the handles uh, to go uh, with these tools. I was literally right. just about to ask where the <laughs> handles come from. <laughs> right. Bishop, were you a smitty before this? Was, it, was blacksmithing a thing that you knew how to no, do? No, I, I started, uh, I went to an event, uh, the National Vigil for the Victims of Gun Violence in Washington, D.C. in December of 2016. And um, priest, uh, from uh, Oswego Park, Oregon, was there. And he told the story of how the softball team in his town, girls softball team, wanted to go to a tournament in California. And they were raising money. And the adults of the softball team decided to auction off an AR-15. Well, Father Lucas thought that was not the best idea. And he went to them and said, can we stop this? Well, you can't stop a raffle after it starts. So he said, <clears throat> well, I'm going to buy $3,000 worth of tickets. And he won the gun. And then he told his congregation and the town that he was going to have that gun destroyed. And he found this group in Colorado Springs on the internet, and they worked out destroying that gun and he brought one of the tools to that national vigil. And there were a few of us from Connecticut, um, 
especially from around Sandy Hook and Newtown, we who had experienced that. And we said, this is coming east. <laughs> and we started. Uh, we invited the folk from Colorado to come and teach us. And we've grown since there. It's called Swords to Plowshares Northeast, Transforming Guns into Garden Tools. We're speaking with retired Bishop Jim Curry from the Episcopal Church in Connecticut. And this will be coming to the First Congregational Church of Southampton on Saturday. Sutis, who's a member of First Congregational Church, how did you hear about this and what made you want to bring it to your church in Southampton? So I had the fortunate experience of going with an interim pastor from our church and another member of the congregation to Great Barrington in November to see Jim's transformation. Um, I have a relative who also was in Sandy Hook on the time of the massacre. I have been doing vigils at the church since then. I wear a piece of jewelry that's also been hammered into um, a heart from the barrel of a gun. And I decided that I was going to try to reach out to Jim to see if he couldn't come to our church. I made the call, and he said, when are you thinking about doing it? I said, May 20th is the date. And he said, that's the only day I have open, and I'll be there. (laughs) Perfect. So we are doing Spring into Southampton with local um, community groups, such as the Women's Club, Mother's Club. The Southampton Police Department will be providing gun locks for people who attend that want them. And it's, it's a nice day to be a community, but we're happy to host Jim. So you've got a, a beautiful necklace made out of a gun barrel. Are there other things sometimes that are made besides the, the, the garden tools? Or is, Not, I know it's primarily the garden tools. M- but. Primarily the garden tools, but also at every demonstration, we invite people to make rough hearts. This, the one that Sue wears was started as a rough heart, but then uh, jewelry makers from Connecticut, uh, volunteers, made them into a more... Um, formal piece of art. Formal piece of art. <laughs> In the necklace. But on the 20th, we will be making hearts as part of the day. And we invite uh, people of all ages. I've had 94-year-olds come to the forge and pound. Uh, and uh, we've had four-year-olds with the permission and guidance of their parents do the same thing. And literally, it is a transforming experience when you see that gun barrel change into something that's not a weapon. And it's what the Bible calls for. So if you're a person of religious faith, maybe this Isaiah verse really does speak to you that we would study war no more, that we would beat our swords into plowshares or our contemporary version. Well, that's exactly it. Coming up, how Bishop Curry's trip to Mozambique was the genesis of his biblical exploration of beating swords into plowshares. See what we did there? And we'll find out how you can get involved in the event this Saturday in Southampton. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NAPM. For us, the gun is what the sword was for Isaiah's time. So we actually retranslate Isaiah 2, 4, to this. They shall beat their guns into garden tools. Neighbor shall not raise up gun against neighbor, nor shall we learn violence anymore. That second line in that threesome has 
huge new meaning for me after the kinds of shootings that we've had in this country over the last month, where neighbors literally Mm -hmm. are shooting their neighbors for little things like rolling a basketball up a driveway or mistakenly uh, going to the wrong car in Mm -hmm. a parking lot or turning around. Who hasn't turned around in somebody's driveway? And yet people are now shooting people for doing exactly those things. So uh, we've really looked to the present to say this is the time that we can act toward Mm -hmm. the fulfillment of that ancient prophecy. Bishop Jim Curry, who joins us in studio and a member of the First Congregational Church of Southampton, the Community and Communications team leader, Sue Teese. The event at First Congregational Church of Southampton on Saturday is Swords to Plowshares Northeast, transforming guns into garden tools. You mentioned that UMass Dartmouth is getting pieces that aren't reforged to use in art projects. Have other universities or groups, I mean, like you've got jewelers that are volunteers that have come forward to ask for pieces. What other groups are are using these parts of like disassembled guns as something more fruitful because art is fruitful? Yes. Well, actually, I first learned of this when I visited Mozambique and Africa uh, in the early 2000s because they had, after their civil war, done exactly what we're doing now. They've had a huge buyback, inviting people to turn the guns in that were used in the war that might be hidden in in their uh, simple homes or buried in their gardens. Mm -hmm. And the Anglican church in Mozambique was really uh, at the forefront of getting this work done. And they gave them instruments of production for the new society. So seeds and garden tools and uh, simple building material to rebuild little villages. And then the bishop had in mind that he invited the artisans of Mozambique to take these weapons which had been destroyed and not just let them be waste, but to make them into art. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, from my point of view, where this all started. And uh, they're incredible pieces, uh, one of which is in the British Museum right now. It's called the Tree of Life. And it's a metal sculpture about 14 feet high. The trunk is made of guns welded together. The branches are the barrels of guns. Mm-hmm. And the leaves are the magazines of AK-47s. And Uh, It stood in Maputo, the capital of Mozambique, for a long time, and people were invited to come and sign a pledge never to go back into war again. Mozambique hasn't gone back into war in the last 33 years. And it's in the Permanent Africa Exhibition in the British Museum. It's an incredible piece of art, a gift to the world, because a whole group of folk in Mozambique said, no more. Mm -hmm. In this country, uh, we have uh, artisans doing this kind of work, and we make our our material available to who anybody wants to to try something at it. In Worcester, Massachusetts, 
they've done gun buybacks for a long time. In fact, 12 towns around Worcester uh, do an annual buyback. And a friend of mine, a uh, blacksmith, uh, started working with uh, junior college, community college folk, and uh, some high school folk that when the guns are brought in and destroyed, they make art out of it. And um, it's just, it's gorgeous, creative, uh, imaginative work. And it's transformative for the people who are doing the work, too. That is retired Bishop Jim Curry of the Episcopal Church in Connecticut, who will be joining Sue Teese, who's a member of the First Congregational Church of Southampton, on Saturday for the Swords to Plowshares Northeast event, Transforming Guns into Garden Tools, literally, using a forge. It's from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday, uh, free and open to the community. Is it too late to have your gun transformed into a, a farming implement? Yes. What I would encourage people to do is to go to their own police departments and say, we've decided that we no longer want this gun. It may be uh, too much of a uh, danger for our home. Go to the police department and call them first. Let them know that you're coming. Yeah, don't show Definitely up, don't at the, show up, don't with, show up with just a random gun. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and turn it in. Um, we have yet to set up buybacks in Springfield or Pittsfield or Great Barrington or Southampton. Southampton. But what we're doing is planting the seed of this kind of, of work. And hopefully, as we work with uh, town leaders, the select folk, and the police, we'll do more and more of gathering guns in that can then be destroyed and work done. Right. I've been talking with Chief Illingsworth of the Southampton Police Department, and he's been in touch with the Sheriff's Department and the Northwest District Attorney's Office. So we're planting seeds. Are there other ways that people can volunteer? Because you clearly have a volunteer army making this whole thing work. That's a terrible term to use for a love army. Yes. okay, it's a love army (laughs) of volunteers. But how can people get involved um, beyond if they don't have guns? Like, I don't have guns, but this is a thing that I could maybe help out with. So how would other people help out with your organization or spreading, just spreading the word. Well, I'm also a, a member of Moms Demands Actions for Common Sense Gun Laws. And there are a lot of initiatives being out there right now because of the frequency of shootings. And joining places like that and getting a hold of your your congressmen, your com- congresswomen, local authorities, that's one way of starting it. Yeah. We give our tools away to community gardens Uh, to school groups, to universities that have gardens. We've given uh, tools to uh, UMass Medical Center in Worcester where uh, interns have started a community garden right on the hospital grounds. So if you're a gardener, get a tool and then tell the story. Like Sue, wear your heart and trust me, people will ask about that heart. Because we not only have a gun problem in this country, we have a heart problem. And when we make these hearts, what we're talking about is the transformation that has to start with us individually. And then, by God's grace, have the uh, 
uh, ability to take the risk to talk about it mm-hmm. in a culture where we don't talk about it, but to do it in such a way that's completely voluntary, that we are not uh, about taking guns away. In fact, we give gun locks away at our public events because if you're going to have a gun, make sure it's kept safely. I would put another plug in for our event on Saturday. Um, We are also planting pollinator pallet gardens on the berm of the church parking lot, and then we will be receiving one of these tools, which is really exciting. Have you thought about making seed markers out of the barrels? You know, that's a lovely idea. (laughs) So... um, We'll do that <laughs> next week. That is a great idea. Thank you. Actually, you know, one of the things about blacksmithing is it's sort of like baking bread. If you make a mistake, you can fix it and reshape it. Well, last week I was making a, a trowel out of a, a barrel, and it broke off at the neck where we connected. Well, I have a piece of metal like this that with a little bit of grinding – could easily be a seed marker. Uh-huh. I'm just, Thank done. You. as someone who's there about to plant her garden and needs a lot of those, I'm just saying that would be really handy. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. You come to Southampton, <laughs> and I promise to give you one. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. That's Sue Tease, a member of the First Congregational Church of Southampton, the community communication team leader, and retired Bishop James Curry, who's bringing the forge from New Haven, his home base, to transform guns into garden tools this Saturday. Thank you both so much. Thank you both. Coming up. Even galaxies get the blues sometimes, it turns out. Mr. Universe, Salman Hamid talks to us about a solar system looking at itself and coming up with nothing but questions. Or maybe that's just what we're doing when observing it. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Time for some more kitchen table astronomy at the kitchen table in Amherst of Hampshire College astronomer Dr. Salman Hamid, who we lovingly call Mr. Universe. You've heard of Pizza Hut. Now we'll hear of FOMO Hut. <laughs> what is FOMO Hut? Okay, so FOMO Hut is a star. It's actually one of the brightest stars in the sky. It's the 18th brightest star. In our sky every night, and I've never even heard of it? It's not every night, but okay. it's, it's a little bit to the south, but it doesn't go all the way up north. And so, uh, as, as you know, we have a northern hemisphere bias. Yeah. And so we don't talk about it. Uh, but it's a... It's a star that is not that far away. It's only 25 light years from us. Mm-hmm. So relatively... Which, and- let's put this in context. For not far away, it takes light, which is the fastest thing in the known universe, 25 years to leave that star to get here. Right. but That's to close in well, astronomic terms. But to put it in context, even the center of our galaxy, the same galaxy in which we live in, that is 30, almost 30,000 light years away. <laughs> So Everything is so big. Yeah, exactly. And we're not even talking about nearest galaxies or farther away and, and the farthest galaxy. But Fomalhaut, and we are butchering the name. The original name is from Arabic. And I'm going to butcher the Arabic now. Okay, good. I think it's, it's like, you know, all... It's only fair. It's, it's only fair. It's Fomalhaut, uh, which means uh, the mouth of a fish. Uh-huh. And in fact, it goes to... Is that why you're wearing a fish shirt? That and- is... And you've given me coffee in a fish mug? That's exactly right. Uh, today Do we have a- to listen to that obnoxious Vermont band now? Wow. <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about fish. Your Ben and Jerry's ice cream that, though, oh, is excellent. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, we got digressed about it. But, so it's the mouth of the southern fish. So it's actually Al-Junubi in Arabic. Uh, but this is a star which has been well known. As I said, it's a close star, 25 light years away, one of the brightest stars. But where it got its fame recently uh, was the fact that in, uh, I think in uh, mid-2000s or a little bit after that, astronomers detected a planet, an exoplanet around it. In fact, this was the first, and I'm going to use air quotes, so for radio you can imagine that, the first exoplanet to have been imaged. And I'm putting air quotes on uh, to have been imaged. As it turns out, there was no exoplanet. Oh, dang it. And so it disappeared, in fact. So exoplanet was 2008, it was discovered, and they thought, okay, they found it. Uh, and in fact, the image at that time, sort of like, you know, it was sort of like, um, um, you can see some dust around it, around this star. It, it was dubbed the Eye of Sauron. The Eye of Sauron now turns to Gondor. Yeah, because, because that's we looked at these pictures like of it. it. We can put some pictures up there. The Hubble picture and the James Webb picture scary looking eye that's right and then it discovered uh, and then it kind of disappeared and so now astronomers think that this or in fact they know that that in fact was not a planet but rather a dust cloud and it dissipated which is very highly unusual so what is going on why are we talking about it and why was there they thought there was a planet and it went away well there is this protoplanetary disk around this star this star is a little bit bigger than our sun it's about twice the mass of our sun. It's going to live about a billion years compared to our sun, which is going to live about like, you know, 10 to 15 billion years. So this is uh, relatively short. I mean, there are stars that are much bigger than our sun that live much shorter lives. This is sort of like, you know, a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. And right now it's going through its middle phase, middle age. It's about a few Did hundred. Did buy a Ferrari? Uh, right, well, that's probably what astronomers think is going on. There's midlife crisis. And it goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? So this is a case where I think last week, uh, Monty, you and I talked about the end stage of a star, and we were trying to figure out what's going to happen to our sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, our Earth and our sun, and we were thinking about sort of like, you know, the sun is going to expand, and maybe it's going to swallow the Earth. Well, this is a case where we are more now looking at the earlier stages of a star. And we think our own sun formed in a similar kind of protoplanetary disk. And we think that we are seeing it here as well. Except what's fascinating, what uh, Hubble found, no, well, what James Webb Space Telescope found, because James Webb Space Telescope is fantastic in looking in the infrared. And this dusty disks, they emit a lot of infrared light. And, and James Webb not only can detect it, but also can see through some of the disk to see uh, in high resolution what is really going on. And uh, the James Webb Space Telescope recently found that it doesn't have just one, this protoplanetary disk, just, just one, but in fact there are multiple rings around this star. What they think is that there is an inner ring which is kind of like our asteroid belt. I mean, we have, I mean you can think about our own solar system to have a ring because the asteroid belt is between Mars and Jupiter and that is sort of like you no know, pieces of rocks that never could coalesce into a planet and uh, a lot of it has to do with Jupiter. 
Uh-huh. Jupiter's gravity actually prevented this material to coalesce into a planet, so it sort of like stayed in this form. And we think that in this star, Fomalhaut, a similar thing is happening, that there is an asteroid belt, but then there is an outer ring as well. And then there is, now astronomers have also found an intermediate ring. And what is going on is that we cannot see planets in between. So when we are talking about multiple rings, obviously there is stuff in between that has been cleared out. And the material that has been cleared out, whenever astronomers see that, and this is also, you can see it in Saturn's rings, that there are these gaps. And usually in those gaps, there are tiny moons or something like that that is clearing out material. Same thing astronomers think that in between those rings, you can think about the asteroid uh, belt or Kuiper belt, sort of like that type of thing. There may be planets around it, but James Webb Space Telescope, even the great James Webb Space Telescope, doesn't have enough sensitivity to detect smaller planets. Like even if there is a Jupiter there, they cannot detect it. So are we saying that what we're learning from the James Webb Space Telescope is the formation of what could be a solar system not unlike ours, where these planets or potential planets are in process? Are they going to stay as an asteroid belt? Are they going to coalesce into their own planets? Or we don't know. Well, this is what's going on. This system, why it is so interesting is that it is still dynamic. Now, our solar system, in some sense, we are also middle-aged, by the way, because we are 5 billion years old. I feel it every day. Exactly. But it's relatively stable. Asteroid belt, well, it's what the asteroid belt is doing. And Kuiper belt, which is beyond the orbit of Neptune, that is there, like, you know, that is what that is doing. But in Formalha, there is a lot of activity going on. And in fact, in the new James Webb Space Telescope image as well, there is uh, a giant dust cloud in there, another one, that's the different one from the previous lost planet one. There is another one that is in there. And they think that these dust clouds are formed by colliding bodies, uh, ice and rock bodies like asteroids colliding with each other. And then this is the debris that is falling in. Now this is relatively rare in our solar system. And in fact, this is uh, our solar system overall First of all, it has two rings in that sense. I mean, asteroid belt and then the Kuiper uh, belt. But overall, it's stable. In this particular star system, if you are a planet, you are in trouble. Say, for example, in those, in those gaps in between that, because what, what it means by clearing out the material is that you are actually being hit constantly or relatively more frequently by asteroids and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, so this is a troubled middle age. This is a star that is buying a Ferrari. 40s, you grow a little pipe belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure. It's FOMO hot, which, you know, I'm glad that it's still hot. At least in middle age. And actually, it is, uh, temperature-wise, it is much hotter than the sun because it's a little bit bigger as well. Uh, It's also got a great personality. So (laughs) it's got potential for the rest of its life. But but I should also mention another thing that here is a case where, when we talked about that, well, astronomers had thought they had detected a planet. And then they said, oh, actually, it wasn't a planet. In fact, this planet was, in fact, given a name as well. There was International Astronomical Union had given options to many different countries to name exoplanets. And this was actually one of those. And in fact, this was officially given a name of Dagon. Uh, It comes from uh, some other legacy, not from Lord of the Rings. Uh, Despite the fact that Fomahat looks like the Eye of Sauron. Exactly. (laughs) 
shall not pass! But anyway, so what I wanted to emphasize is that is how science works. Meaning to say that sometimes you observe things again because people are constantly checking the results. So exoplanets, it's not that exoplanets have gone away. We didn't know they were exoplanets. Now we have about 5,000 of them. But occasionally, these things also happen where you go like, uh, you know what, that actually was not a good measurement or that turns out not to be a planet. But, and so sometimes people react to it and say, oh, you know, science. One day it says one thing and the other day it says another and we can never trust it. But I want to, again, bring up this context that this idea that planets around stars form in these protoplanetary disks, that idea goes all the way back to late 18th century. And this was given by uh, Immanuel Kant and, um, uh, um, um, and Laplace, the famous mathematician also. Uh, and they actually suggested that probably our own solar system formed where there was a disk around it because it formed from a dust, from a gas cloud. And it was through this disk that material coalesced into planets. So this was an old, relatively old idea. And now we have very, very good evidence from looking at many other protoplanetary disks to see that this is what happened. So there is also this element that today nobody doubts that solar systems form or planets form out of protoplanetary disks, including our own system. So yes, occasionally you go back and forth because that is how science works. But also we do make certain claims as well. And those certainties keep on getting increased the same way we know exoplanets exist. It is not a question. If we want to take a look at this 13th brightest star in the 18th. sky, if we want to take a look at this 18th <laughs> brightest star in the sky, where should we look? Oh, this would be in the fall and it would be uh, towards the south. And because it is actually towards the south and it doesn't go up uh, that high. So you will have to look, have a clearer horizon towards the south and that's where you'll be able to see. But you will have to wait a few months. Soon, we'll dive into Volume 4 of Pizza Quest, where we continue our search for the best pie in the 413 at a spot in Lenox. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. It's Pizza Quest! Pizza Quest! Pizza Quest! Volume 4. Once again, back That's to the Berkshires. Right down the street from where we had Pizza Quest Volume 3 at Betty's Pizza Shack. We are once again in Lenox. We need to do some like, we haven't done any Hampshire or Franklin County pizza quest. I know, but we've been planning it. And frankly, like, like we have to take Michael Quinlan the Joes. Yeah. Um, I've been vying for Magpie because we can take your family. Yeah. Treehouse. <laughs> uh, Treehouse, which we also kind of have in the works. Like there are places that we're, we're going to go to. It just happened that we were here in one of the places, we were already in Lenox, and one of the places on our list is here and open, so why not have more Pizza Quest? And here was suggested by two different friends of the show. Indeed. And where are we, Calice? We are at Pizzeria Boema in Lenox. Right on the main drag of Lenox, with outdoor seating, so that's the traffic you're hearing in the background. Yes, don't we sit outside if you burn easily, yeah. like my partner. It got burned once a year, and then I'm good to go. The water comes in, in cut-off wine bottles, which is a nice touch. 
you're having sparkling water to begin. And we are, are fun. we are at a pizza conundrum. Pizza Quest rules are we always get the same pizzas from the same from different places so that we can accurately judge them. We want a topping pizza with pepperoni and mushroom, and we want a cheese pizza. And we can order, we can get a Neapolitan pizza with just like pepperoni and mushrooms on it, which is totally fine. But our issue ends up being that like their standard cheese pizzas are a little bit different than we've encountered in other places. So we're trying to decide if we need to ask about the nature of the mozzarella on the their margarita pizzas because there's two different types and I think it might actually make a difference. I definitely will. I mean, the, there's, a, yes. there's at least a $3 difference in the pizza price. Um, yeah, because one of them's using buffalo milk, so it's using fresh mozzarella. Which is real mozzarella and I'm right. tempted to get that because that is an option. But does that give it an unfair advantage yes. over the other pizzas? Right. But I, other pizza places should, if they wanted to have that as an option, also have that. But, like, okay, if we're going to, like, a good quality economy place around the corner, like, they're not going to have the money for fresh mozzarella all the time. Right. But that's the thing. I mean, different things cost different prices at different places, and you've got to get it the way that they have it available to you at each place. And if this is available, we I We say that, but at the same time, we're about to build a pizza. <laughs> We're just going to add mushrooms to their already built pepperoni pizza. But we could just build the pepperoni and mushroom pizza. Should we <laughs> get the regular margarita pizza with their regular mozzarella with pepperoni and mushroom and then get the margarita DOC with the mozzarella de bufala, the real buffalo mozzarella. Director Tony Dunn. So to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I think Monty has a point. The case in point, Betty's Pizza that we just had, Betty's Pizza Shack a few weeks ago, had very specific pepperoni, different from pepperoni you get elsewhere, or certainly, you know, uh, the, the economy places you note, Calice, right. with the small, tiny, very spicy with the cupping. But they're not offering you two different types of pepperoni you can choose from. But if they and did, wouldn't is. we have gotten the better one? I don't know. Yes, we would have. Okay. We're snobs. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of side with Monty here. Right. If this is how they're, if I were to order a pepperoni pizza right here off the menu, right. this is how it comes. Right. But there are two cheese pizzas, and that's the question. Do you get the one that you know is going to be better and a little bit more expensive? My... Or do you get the one that's closer to what you're going to get experience across the board everywhere else so that it's a fair comparison? Or is the fair compromise put the toppings on the base level cheese and get the special fancy cheese too? Now see, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Because I'm the director, I'm going to make the executive decision yes, and you. leave it up to the two of you. Oh, that is not an executive decision. Out. As the executive producer, I'm going to give it back to you, Tony. Oh gosh. All right. We're this talking potato about is cheese. real hot. Yeah. Yeah. Margarita. The regular There's margarita. Two regular, the, the regular, the regular margarita. And then pepperoni as, it comes, pepperoni with as it comes with mushrooms. We're gonna regret not having that buffalo cheese. We always hang in a buffalo stands. Are you really sad about it? A little bit. Oh, now, the wind! Now the wind getting, has happened. Now it's getting windy. <laughs> the fates are trying to weigh in on our decision. The fates are trying to make us How's go inside because it'll record. Couldn't you? Better. Couldn't you? My name is Jim Chetsky, and I recognize you from the river. Oh, hi. That's you, right? That's me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, Chris was on our new show. This is Khalees, also formerly of the Hi. river. Hi. And now on our new show on New England Public Media. Radio. Which Chris was on. Radio. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, Woo! Menus are going. <laughs> oh, no. See, see how much of a celeb you have become? You're at Atlantic. So some... I lived in the valley for a long time. But I reckon I put the shades on. Oh. Like, you cannot hide. <laughs>
seems to not mind. Very distinctive. There's <laughs> a random bald white dude on the street. <laughs> I, I, assume, I assume they wouldn't be like, I'm a celeb, get the hell away from me. You're not one of those types. Not yet. Hey, have you eaten here before? We're just about to. You are in for a Nice. Thank you. Excellent. You. We're excited. How much better is the buffalo cheese than the other cheese? Oh, um, I personally like the regular mozzarella better. All right. Ooh. Decision made. We have the regular um, margarita. margarita and then a pepperoni pizza with the mushrooms added onto it. Okay. Pizza's out. That was literally the fastest we've ever gotten pizza on Pizza Quest. They told us once it's done, it takes 90 seconds in the oven. That means that their oven is, is hitting the right temperature too. Thank you. Thank you very much. These pizzas, volume wise, are very small. They're, what are they? They've got to be 12 inches. Like 10 to 12 inches. But that's how you want to do Neapolitan style because like the oven, you, like you can't really get a bigger pizza done properly. And yeah, she was like 90 seconds. That's about right for like an 800 degree oven, which I'm assuming they're probably getting close to, if not maybe overreaching. Crust is, Leoparded on the on the edges, not so much on the bottom. Not so much on the bottom. Pepperoni is cupping. Pepperoni is cupping. I'm impressed with fresh mushrooms for the second time. And they're truffled mushrooms. Seriously, which like, could be truffles is a little bit overdone, but I am a huge sucker for it. I admit. But like, it's also like it's a combination of um, cremini's and shiitakes. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. It should be noted that this pepperoni comes with a hot honey glaze. Yes. Oh. Yes. So there's a little zhuzh on this one that we wouldn't necessarily get everywhere else. And they do have the fresh mozzarella, even though it's not the buffalo mozzarella. It is that clumpy style of Neapolitan mozzarella. Yeah. And there's, looks like what, basil leaves. Yeah, there's basil. On the cheese, so nice little extra touch despite the fact that it's just a cheese pizza. Now comes the test. The real tests. I want it to have two minutes in the oven. Yeah, it needs a tiny bit more in that oven, actually. But again, we're like the first people here today, probably. We are the first people. We are the first people here today. So that oven might come up to temperature a little bit more as the day progresses. I'm betting in like an hour, we'd get like definitely leoparding on the bottom and you wouldn't see this splotch. The cheese is excellent. The I sauce, love the sauce. I, I love the sauce. Yeah. A touch of sweetness with the sauce. The sauce isn't so much so like, it's really classic in that like it's not really sauce it's basically crushed tomatoes a little bit of olive oil and salt like that's it i'm really digging it mm-hmm yeah this is fantastic mm-hmm this is the, i mean it's the best pizza we've had so far random passerby on the street loves it so it's a glowing recommendation we had two recommendations before that <laughs> i'm going in with the pepperoni nice the honey hits you right away in in all the best ways mm -hmm. the pepperoni yeah i'm mixed about that right now Although I'm, I am digging the truffle on the mushroom, because again, sucker for that. Hmm. Mmm. Man, shiitakes. Yeah, yeah. Also, the Barbera that I'm drinking, it's pretty nice too. It's the Coca-Cola wine. Not while I'm drinking, Monty. Mex they did have Mexican Coke on the uh, on the menu, and infinitely superior. On the menu here? That's cool. Mm -hmm. I feel like regarding the honey, it should be said- On the pepperoni. On the pepperoni. It should be said that their standard pepperoni comes like that. Yeah. It's pepperoni, the two cheeses, hot honey. We are the ones who have ruined it by putting mushrooms on there and disturbing that balance because we have a set standard of things that we order for Pizza Quest. That said, I actually don't think that the honey throws this off very much. I like it a lot. I want the sauce a tiny bit more savory, maybe a little more salt. 
You put salt on salt everything. On I did not put any salt on this. Because they didn't any cheese bring you any. I know. I think the sauce is perfect on the margarita, on the cheese pizza, but I agree it, it the sauce hits different to me anyways with the pepperoni and mushrooms. But I think that's mostly the mushrooms. Mm -hmm. Again, I have a feeling that if we had this pepperoni pizza as as is listed on the on the menu, we'd feel differently about it. Still, I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is good pizza. This is great pizza. Mm -hmm. Pizza Quest! Final thoughts on Pizza Quest Volume 4, Pizzeria Boema here in Lenox. Closing thoughts, Director Tony Dunn. Of uh, all the Pizza Quests I've been a part of so far, uh, definitely my favorite, and my new number two favorite pizza in all of the Berkshires, where I reside. Leave number one a mystery for now. I think he already said what his number one was. We said it to us here, but you have to go back to the... Check the tape for the other one. <laughs> Despite the slightly weak crust, um, I will say it's the only place where I've finished the crust entirely. Uh -huh. I ate all of it. And out of what we've been to so far, this is by far the best pizza that we've had. Fully agree. I think the pepperoni does not need a honey glaze. Well, But okay. I'm not opposed to it. And I agree that it's the best pizza we've had so far. I would be willing to try that pepperoni as they have it. Like, again, we adjusted that to our purposes because we have a set thing and already we were going outside of that by getting the hot honey on it instead of building a pizza that just had pepperoni and mushrooms right but the pepperoni has honey on it no matter what so i think no 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 if you just build a pizza then we would have gotten pepperoni and mushrooms on cheese like a standard neapolitan pizza which i thought is... all their pepperoni had no honey. Oh, no, right. no no hot honey is an extra topping that you can just get for free on okay. any other pizzas um it's a nice touch but i think nice unnecessary touch. nevertheless I, nevertheless best, the best pizza best we've had so far before. So many semantics, so many semantics that I stand by. Know a good pizza spot where we should go? Email us at thefab413 at nepm.org or text us at 1-800-639-9120. We have a building list, and if we can, we reach out to you in advance and say, come eat the pizza you have suggested with us. I, kind of too late in the game, texted the person that suggested uh, Boema in Lenox to us, and they were very close to being able to come, but they were not able to come, but... Shout out to Deb Bernadetti, who re recommended that to us. And she gave us a second spot, so we'll make sure that she's included when we go to the other recommendation that yes. she gave us. And we have been very Berkshire and Hamden heavy. So we're looking specifically for Hampshire and Franklin places yes. that you love. As we mentioned, we've got Magpie on our radar, and we need to coordinate with Michael Quinlan, who you also hear in the Wine Thunderdome on occasion, to go to Joe's in, in Northampton. And we're going to go to Treehouse. I have muscle needs sometimes. And speaking of Treehouse, uh, a week from today at Treehouse Brewing in Deerfield, there's a benefit for the Tilton Library in Deerfield. And it's going to feature David Sibley, who is Deerfield's own award-winning, nationally acclaimed author and illustrator of Sibley's Guide to Birds and what it's like to be a bird. And he's going to be on our show tomorrow. So if you have a bird-related question or if you have a bird-related Sound like go out with your phone and record a memo of a bird that you've been wondering what it is. Record it, send it to us. We'll play it for him, and he'll likely be able to identify it because he's good I, at. This. I'm told he is very, very, very. <laughs> he does good have at this. books on the subject. It turns out. Yeah, a couple of them, and they've <laughs> sold millions of copies. So he's Seriously. really an acclaimed expert. So if you've got any bird-related questions, thefab413 at nepm.org or one eight hundred six three nine. 
nine one two zero. He'll be on the show tomorrow. I do you have do you watch birds at your house, Khalees? I can hear the birds at my house. Like I said, there's a murder of crows. Oh yeah, is that build? Is it getting any bigger? It's not getting bigger, but they're still there. And now that I've set up my my two raised beds in the back with some of our composting stuff, I see them a lot more often digging through before I get the seeds and actual plants in there looking for food. My wife loves birds, and so we now that I don't get up at two o'clock in the morning, I have <laughs> coffee in the morning, and we bird watch at the bird feeder. But we've seen some pretty amazing birds. We saw a pileated woodpecker, not at the feeder, but in our neighbor's yard, which was like, it looks like a dinosaur that flies. And it basically is. <laughs> so that was amazing. And we, where we live in Turner's Falls, there's tons of bald eagles. So we get to see those all the time too. You got a bird related question. David Sibley, the expert originally from Deerfield from Sibley's Guide to Birds, will be doing a benefit for the Tilton Library be with us. And if you manage to catch tomorrow. it on film, send us those pictures too. We like seeing Yeah, birds we want to well. see your birds. The <laughs> fab 413 at nepm.org or you can text us 1-800-639-9120. In addition to David Sibley, tomorrow in the fabulous 413, we'll learn how the Hilltown CDC helps connect those in need with the incredible bounty produced by local farms in the Hilltowns. Hunt Chase speaks with us about the Hilltown mobile market and more. And Immigrant Voices comes to the Shea this weekend to celebrate the arts and cultures of those finding their second homes among us here. We'll have members of that production in studio to chat about what you'll experience on stage. Our director is Tony, lost in house, Projectopia done. Our engineer is Betsy, literally a carnival barker, Cordis. Our technical team is Bart, break a leg or however that works, break a radio, Rankin. <laughs> Kara has tinned fish needs, Foster and punk Rude Boy Dubay. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar, Orchestra, Heather Maloney, Sweet Honey in the Rock, Johnny Cash, Resistance Revival Chorus, Nena Cherry, Fish, Faith No More, The City, <laughs> Slickers Movie, and Letter Kenny. I'm Cleese Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. See you, See tomorrow, you tomorrow on The, the Fabulous, Fabulous 413. 413.